Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the regional sports editor for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Kevin Grayler. How are you, sir? Doing well. Let's do this again. Yeah, again, we are here recording on the 14th of November, two days away from Missouri's game against Florida, football-wise, uh, on Saturday. Uh, we'll get to football right now, and we'll do some men's basketball later. The men's team lost to Xavier on Tuesday to fall to 2-1. and one. The women's team last night lost to Northern Iowa at home again, so they're 1-2. and two. Uh, Volleyball's on an NCAA tournament run and all that, but uh, I guess we'll just keep it to football right now. Uh, Missouri lost at Georgia 27-0. Taylor Powell started at quarterback. Kelly Bryant did not play, but Kelly Bryant is expected to play this weekend as close to 100% as possible. Kevin, if you watched the game against Georgia at all, what were your overall expectations, and what do you accredit this nosedive to of three straight losses now? You know, it's tough to pinpoint exactly what has happened um you know we, we kind of figured after that week one uh, loss at wyoming um you know that that the tigers would respond and they did that with five straight wins at home um <laughs> then the last three on the road uh just really has been a nosedive that, that's that's the word for it um you know first vanderbilt then Kentucky, um, you, you know, I, I I think if you're if you're looking at these past three, um, Georgia uh, is the one. It's like okay, uh, there's a reason they're top ten in the country. That is a great team. Um, the, the other two, I think, were were, were much tougher losses to take uh, overall. Um, but the way that Mizzou lost. Saturday night at Sanford Stadium, um, the way that they lost was really more of a concern than just that they lost. Um, I agree. I, agree. I, I think, um, you know, and, and, and really uh, a, a defining juncture of the season, granted no Kelly Bryant for the offense, and we, we don't want to take away from that the, the ability that he has, especially when healthy, um, but to, to put up a zero... Um, isn't good. No, that's just not good. I mean, that's just something um, where n- nobody really helped Powell much yeah. at all. You know, he's, he's getting his first career start, and um, you, you can't really imagine he's going to go in there and and uh, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, be the uh, be the guy who who leads you. He's going to need some help. Um, and you know, aside from his one interception that he threw, and that was ill-advised, um, you know, the, the the run game never really got going. I think you know the running backs combined for for fifty some yards on the night, and that, that that puts even more pressure on your young quarterback. Um, receivers, um, you know, there was just uh, you know, 
just just really some uh, one opportunity that comes to mind with with Cam Scott down the the right sideline where he kind of reached out with one hand uh, instead of maybe fully extending. It would have been a tough catch, but you know that he he could have been bound for the end zone there right before half. Then you're looking at a different type of ball game after the break. Um, you know, not not saying that's going to win you anything, but it, it's going to at least give you something. Not get um, you shut out, yeah. And and, and I, I think. <laughs> I mean, one positive, and it's it's hard to uh, to really, you know, just just get over the negatives and, and get to the positives. But the defense did did hold its own um, in a tough environment, and really kind of with its with its back up against the wall with with the offense really not being able to produce. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, Missouri had two drives that got over midfield, and that's not good. One with Taylor Powell, and that was the one that ended ended in the interception. Connor Bazelak came into the game and did pretty well, but a wide receiver just hasn't made a play. Not only Cam Scott, but not really much from this group has just made a play over the past few weeks. I mean, you saw the problem with drops at Kentucky, and you can blame it on the rain, but you have gloves and you have a wide receiver with great hands for a reason, make a catch. Um, and then just not many people, Just not, there hasn't been that big explosive play from Missouri in a long time. It just hasn't happened because this just when what's kind of happened is Missouri's run game hasn't been established. So they pack the box on those run games because they know Missouri can't beat them over the top right now because the wide receivers aren't making plays and can't get open and they won't throw to them if they go deep downfield because Kelly Bryant definitely hasn't didn't do that against Vanderbilt. Taylor Powell didn't do it against Georgia where he got picked off when he did it. Uh, it, it's just, you know, the defense is kind of see where Missouri is going before they do it right now, and that's not good. But with that said, Missouri's defense is still doing very well. I mean, I think they're top 10 in pass defense, top 20 in total defense, top 20 in scoring defense, all of that. And that, that's a credit to the cornerbacks. It's a credit to all of them. But how much can the defense do for you? They can't really score. I mean, Kale Garrett has three touchdowns on the year, which is more than a lot of offensive playmakers. But he hasn't played for you. That, that as much as that's as much as yeah. you know, Mizzou has scored altogether the past three weeks, that's, past three games that's, combined. That's true. Yeah, it, it, it's just awful for them that the offense is just sputtered out. And I think you can't blame it just on Kelly Bryant. You can't blame it just on Taylor Powell. You can't really just blame it just on Barry Odom. It's just a whole widespread problem right now. The Missouri just needs that spark, and we've been looking for that spark since they left the field against Ole Miss. And they really didn't have that spark in that fourth quarter of that game either. It's it's really been a long time since we've seen the Missouri team just truly clicking. I mean, they had moments against Vanderbilt. They had one long screen to Tyler Beatty that was more so Kentucky's fault for selling out on the other side than Tyler Beatty making a run for it. But And then just nothing got going against Georgia, except for the Connor Bays-like drive, really. So it, it, it's just... It, I mean, more than a nosedive, it's been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's been really six great performances, including the loss at Wyoming, where some fluky things happened to prevent to make the loss happen. But and even even at that, Wyoming took by Boise State to overtime and nearly and probably should have beaten them on Saturday. So that's not a bad loss after all. But um, you know, you, especially you, now with some perspective, right? I mean, that, that, that stings much less than what what than Vanderbilt and Kentucky and 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 of course Georgia as well. Yeah, and part of the reason is that it happened so long ago. But you know, six performances of wow, this this is a really solid, looks like a, a ranked maybe in top fifteen teams in the country, and then you have three performances the last three games where it looks like. How did this team do? Get the five wins? I mean, it, it just—it looks like a bottom tier SEC team. You saw—I mean, you're going to hear from Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun for on the beat uh, segment this week on our podcast, and he said a couple times, "It's just, but how did this team lose to Vanderbilt? 
as bad as they are, I mean, they laid a complete egg in Gainesville last Saturday. They looked looked horrible, and Missouri lost to them. So we're at a point now where we're starting to try to question everything on offense, and Missouri just needs that spark. But you know, it's you would think it's going to happen eventually. They're going to reignite, whether it's Kelly Bryant coming back or getting back at home or. Something I, eventually the line of we're practicing well, we're just diagnosing the problems has no validity anymore, and yeah. we've kind of been hearing that ever since the loss at Vanderbilt. So at some point, it's just going to have to click and lead to on-field yeah, results. Only got so much time left. I mean, just in terms of you know, I, I think coming into the year, what the expectations were, um, we're at a point now that I, you know, I, I don't think I don't think even if Mizzou wins out. Um, I don't think so either. No, that uh, that that it, it's really going to be something where the fan base is like, you know what, this is this is kind of what we were hoping for out of this year. Um, now, granted, you went out that that's including a win against Florida, a very good Florida team, and then taking care of business against Tennessee, which is on the upward trend, and then Arkansas, of course, at the end, which we would we would have to imagine that is going to be the path to six wins, even if, if the other two don't come through. Yeah, I, I can't see still even a war where they lose to Arkansas. I mean, I. I I know there were a lot of fans that this team has so much talent, and Chad Morris didn't use it. This team does. That team does not have a lot of talent. But even winning <laughs> out puts you at what five and four. That would be eight and four. Yeah, winning out the regular season. When when I, I think most, even on the national level, we're talking this was going to be a, a nine or ten win season. Yeah, for the over under was eight at Vegas. So right now, you're, you're, if you bet on that, you're hoping for a push. Yeah, in Vegas right now. Well, and, and so maybe that's what we call it. If they went out, is it, is it a push? You know, no, it's not uh, a push. It's not because your losses are to Wyoming, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. No, it's not. Uh, my biggest takeaway last year from the season, and not sorry to interrupt you a little bit there. My biggest takeaway for the season was the, last year they had two games where they, they lost in the final play of the game, and that separated them from Drew Locke and Emmanuel Hall and all Therese Hall, Terry Beckner getting a shot of playing in either a New Year's Six Bowl or one right off of it like the Citrus Bowl, one that was right there in a primetime bowl. Same kind of thing this year, but there was still even more on the table. You flip the Wyoming result, flip Vanderbilt. I mean, even with the losses to Kentucky and Georgia, this team right now would be, what, 7-2? and two? They would be ranked, guaranteed, because their two losses came in the rain and without their starting quarterback for a little bit of it. And then Georgia... I mean, so much more positive it looked right now, but it's just mm-hmm. that it just seems like sometimes they, they get stumbled up over over some hurdles here. And, and uh, you know, I do think Barry Odom is still a good coach. I do think he has the trust of the locker room, but at some point the results got to come too, you know. And I think that even if they lose to Arkansas, which I still can't see a scenario in which that happens, he doesn't lose his job at the end of this year. I think he goes into 2020 with a very hot seat. Pretty much no matter how the rest of these three games go, especially if there's a loss to Tennessee. I mean, I, th- I think a loss to Florida really doesn't move that needle a whole lot. But right now, it just this team seems like a program kind of in flux of we're at week 12 of the college football season and we still kind of don't know the identity of this team. We thought we did, but maybe the identity is just is expect the unexpected. And that's a weird thing to say. And we still don't know about the NCAA appeal. Oh, God. Which yeah. just keeps going on and on and on as far as the wait for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that like, like everyone. Uh, but no word. Nothing yet. And I mean... You thought the actual deadline, and this is a date I created in my head thinking we wouldn't get even close and just use it for reference when the actual thing came out, is the deadline for here for this season really is November 26th, which is 12 days from when we're recording this, uh, which is two weeks from Tuesday. And why do we think that? Uh, okay, let me break it down. So, if Missouri were, they're still mathematically 
allowed alive, so mathematically alive to play in the SEC championship game. Technically, seventeen things have to go right for them them to be in. Like they have to win out, and then Georgia has to lose twice, and Florida has to lose to Florida State. And if all of those things happen, then point differentials and all that have to come into play. And minuscule odds, like less than one percent, but they technically are still one of the three teams that are alive. Um, therefore, even if that is not true, if that goes away, but Missouri has to have a seven-day notice from the NCAA of when they can play in a championship game, which means that would be the SC championship game on December 7th, which means seven days before that would be November 30th. So, therefore, they have to have notice of their NCAA uh, notice of what the what the appeal is denied or stays on by November 30th. That's a Saturday. It's not going to happen. November 29th is the game against uh, Arkansas. It's not going to happen that day. November 28th is Thanksgiving. They're not doing it on a national holiday or Thanksgiving Eve. November 26th is the last day where this can happen. So we think, yeah. I mean, it's the last day, even with how tone deaf the NCAA is. There's no way. I mean, if we don't, there's no way they do it on a holiday. Hey, have your turkey, have your stuffing. Oh, wait, here's your appeal getting denied. No, it's not going to happen like that. What if there is no decision? By the end of the regular season, that means it doesn't apply. It doesn't apply, that doesn't apply this year, but it could like for next season. Like what happened with both softball and baseball. Baseball was allowed to compete in the SEC tournament, uh, and so was softball. Softball and baseball, and softball went to the NCAA tournament, and knocked off. I think it was the only team to beat UCLA the entire mm-hmm. year. Um, and then baseball was one of the last four out, but would have been able to compete in the NCAA tournament had they. Uh, been deemed worthy. So those are both carrying over to the 2020 season. It'd be the same thing for football. It just is so incredulous that we, because of the mainstream access and how much true money Missouri relies on that bowl uh, appearance for, um, why it hasn't happened yet for them. I mean, it's incredulous even for the NCAA that we're talking about that Missouri might not even have their notice yet, which means it's not coming out until the 25th. If they don't have it by now, it's not It's not coming on a Friday. So, Which means that it's coming out the 25th or the 26th. If they don't have it by now, I haven't heard that they've heard. So... It, We're just kind of in a standstill. And, it, it's and, really just... It, it really is just like... I mean, it goes beyond saying that they're surprised at this point. It's, it, it's going on borderline ridiculous as to why any member... NCAA organization would ever comply with the NCAA ever again, especially if Missouri's appeal is denied. Missouri self-reported that everything they should, essentially, yes, they admitted to wrongdoing through, through a rogue academic tutor with academic fraud, and those cases have been well reported, but at this point, I mean, there's a good shot. This takes over 300 days to get resolved. Well, Mississippi State didn't take that long. Ohio State barely took two weeks. I mean, there are several examples of that. It's just, it's, I know this is a tangent here, but man, it, it just, uh, from, even from an unbiased perspective, I can see how Missouri feels incredibly hard done by the NCAA right now. And I, and I wonder just within this locker room, you know, there, there's so much of an emphasis that Odom puts on, okay, let's focus on this week, this coming game. Mm-hmm. But with this NCAA appeal kind of looming over their heads, how much a bowl game means to the program, um, means to the players to be at this you know point where there's still just so much uncertainty around that you know i don't i don't think in any way shape or form you can make that an excuse for how the past three games have unfolded no i don't think so either but i think we would be kind of crazy to think it's it's not on their minds um and, and maybe not a factor um just uh, I, you know I, it, it's just been kind of one of those weird deals where I and mean, we're, we're trying to make sense 
of, of how this tailspin has happened. And maybe maybe that's one of those things that's kind of tied up in all of this. Um, I, I think overall, it's just a lack of execution. Um, and we'll see if they can get back on track, Florida. But wow, another tough test. Just thinking back to that Ole Miss game, last time Mizzou played at Faroe, um, afterward, you know, I, I, I was asking several players just, you know, what what a position do you hope the team is in when you return home mm-hmm. November 16th? At that point, seeming just like it would be a, a world away. It was more than a month away at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them could have expected losing three straight on the road, being five and four, coming back especially after that five-game home winning streak to have a three-game road losing streak. Yeah, that win feels like light years ago, but here we are. Um, But yeah, I think we'll uh, get into the kind of the sponsors now and we'll get into uh, our conversation with the Gainesville Suns, Pat Dooley. He's been on the floor to beat for over 30 years. I actually really liked his answer for who his favorite athlete is he's ever seen in the SEC or the best athletes ever seen is. But before we get to that with our sponsors, uh, in addition to our local sponsors, which Kevin will tell you about in a minute, uh, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online on zaxby's.com forward slash podcast and the columbia location i believe the only one that's open right now is right off of stadium drive and north 63 so if you want your fresh made zalids with the z go there mm, that's some good stuff yeah, actually i do like zaxby's a lot all right well here's the rest of our local sponsors and our conversation with pat Dooley from the gainesville sun we would like to thank our sponsors for the mizzou sports podcast university of missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the sports columnist for the Gainesville Sun, Pat Dooley. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How about you, Eric? Good. How long have you been on the uh, UF beat for? Uh, too long. Uh, I've been here 32 years, but I mean, I actually covered him a little bit when I was in Jacksonville and covered him a little bit as a student. So uh, I, I know a lot about Florida. Uh, but I don't. I'm. A, I don't always translate it into into print. But I've been around this, this thing a long time. Overall, I guess you've been around it then uh, a long time. Overall thoughts about kind of where the Florida po- uh, football program stands now. You know, what's good, what's bad. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, this is something I said before the season. I felt like their roster was an issue because they lost so many players. Uh, to the transfer portal and the injuries. And so their numbers were down already. And then they had some more injuries and some more guys leave. And uh, I think Dan Mullen said last week that they only were, they were down the sixties in terms of number of scholarship players that were uh, suited up and could play in the game. So, and, and it showed, you know, at, at times, but um, I think he's done a great job with it and he's continuing to build momentum Um you know, towards the future. The, you know, I think the future is bright for this program, but they've got to build it with recruiting classes. You know, this year's team to be eight and two is um, 
it's pretty remarkable. And at the same time, if you, they've got to finish strong or uh, like they did last year, and if they can do that, it's going to be that much more impressive because they, in theory, if they win both games and then they win their bowl game, they'll win more games than they did a year ago. And that's always, um, you know, that's always good. But you lose this game or you lose to FSU or you lose both, um, which, I mean, I don't expect either one of those games to be easy. And you've kind of taken a step back. So um, it's kind of, we're going to kind of see at the end of the year exactly where they are. Give me your impressions of this Florida team and where they currently stand right now. I know Georgia was a tough loss because of this team's lofty goals, but then you put a pounding on Vanderbilt. So are they in a good place right now, a bad place? Where? Well, the whole thing about last week was to try to get the edge back. that They had kind of lost defensively against Georgia, giving up all those third-down conversions, 12 of them, which is ridiculous. Um, and they did that, but Vandy's terrible. Vandy, Vandy's bad when they have their quarterbacks but they didn't even have their quarterbacks so they were uh, they had Deuce Wallace out there and it wasn't it wasn't a good look um, don't say that around but, here because Vandy without their uh, well, quarterback lost him yeah beat Mizzou which may be this most stunning result forget about Georgia State over Tennessee Vandy beating anybody is a stunning result with the team I saw in here because they're not good on defense either which is uh, not like um you know, Derek Mason, you know, LSU putting the 60s up against them. So that game was a surprise, maybe the surprise of the year, at least in this conference for me. But, um, you know, it, it, it was good for them to, to kind of get out there, get their heads back, have some fun, and, uh, you know, get to play their backup quarterbacks, back up other players. But, um, you know, this Florida team is – we went into the season knowing the offensive line was going to be the biggest question. Uh, they were starting four new players. One of those players – by the way, who who in the Georgia game got yelled at and got benched and then quit the team. So now they're starting a an actual instead of a redshirt freshman, they're starting a true freshman in his spot. So they got two true freshmen on the offensive line starting the last game uh, because they had a player out with a concussion. So um, it's been a weakness. They haven't been able to run the ball. They've had to become almost like a Washington State. They're throwing it all over the place, throwing it a lot of timing routes, and quick passes, um, and they've found a way to win a game. So I, I, I think he's done a remarkable job coaching with what he's got. Uh, and they're defensively, they have been very, very spotty. I mean, LSU and Georgia were embarrassing uh, the way they played def- defense in those games. Um, the first part of the South Carolina game was was awful. But then they also have three shutouts this year. So, you know, and they're ranked in the top 10, uh, as Missouri is, in de- defense. So it's been a kind of a weird year on that regard. So this is a this is a Florida team. It's a really nice team. They're a really good team. They're, they're deserving of where they are in the uh, college football playoff rankings. I think they're 11th now. Mm-hmm. They're deserving of that. Um but they're not a great team, and they, they certainly never felt like they were a college football playoff team. What do you make of the job that Kyle Trask has done for replacing, uh, replacing Flippy Franks? Well, you know, the funny thing is when Franks went down in the Kentucky game into the third quarter, um, you know, we were – Robbie Andrew and I, who covers the team for us as well, were looking at each other going, who are they going to put in? Is it going to be Emory Jones? Is it going to be Kyle Trask? We didn't know. And uh, the plan was let's go with Kyle. He's got a little more experience, and then we'll bring Emory in as well. We'll keep kind of we'll, we'll 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 piece this together. And then Trask was just amazing in the game, and 
rallied him to a win and then has been really good. I mean, he's he's done some bad things. He's thrown some bad passes. He had fumble issues against Auburn. But um, his numbers are pretty remarkable when you look at him um, this year. So he's done a, a great job. As a you know, for a guy who had not started since his freshman year in high school, uh, to come in and do as well as he's done, I think uh, he's kind of built himself into a little bit of a mini legend here on campus. Where did he go to high school that he didn't start? He went to uh, Manville in, in Texas. Okay, Cam Scott High School. Okay, yeah, for started, yeah, yeah, was the guy for the guy for Houston, right? Um, Derek King. That's sitting out. Yeah, he's sitting out this year, which is still the weirdest story of the year. But uh, he's, uh, he, yeah, and he was so good that he beat him out. He played some, but he didn't start. Okay. So, um, okay. But then he got here and he was going to start and he got hurt. And then he was going to start again and he got hurt. So he hadn't been able to start, but now he's played off, awfully, uh, awfully well. Gotcha. Yeah. Manville, a Texas high school power. Uh, I think that Trask must have been on that team then. Then, uh, Lost to John Stephen Jones in Highland Park uh, in the 16 title game. Must have been on that team then. Um, anyway, going forward. He with, might not have been. He, that uh, might have been the year after he left. Because he's been around a while. He's a redshirt junior. So. Okay, so this would be his fourth year. So, okay, that would have been the year yeah. after he left. Never mind then. So he, yeah, he's uh, already graduated from college. So uh, Okay, so, so he was a high school teammate of Cam Scott, Missouri wide receiver, but was not on the team that uh, was a state runner-up. Because I think, actually, the quarterback on that team was Cason Martin, who's the starter, starter at North Texas now. So that actually right. makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, so uh, you mentioned the defense is a little spotty. So if you see, despite Missouri's current issues, whatever they may be, I mean, offensively, they it's been well-documented. I can get into that if you want. We probably will with other spots on this podcast. But um, if there's a path to victory for Missouri, what do you see it being? Well, I think the key for Missouri is to play from ahead because that's what Florida wants to do. That's their goal. It allows them to be more um, creative with their play calling. It allows them to take more chances, and they they coach a lot better when they're playing from ahead. Uh, you know, they've done now. They've made comebacks in the fourth quarter. They've got six wins in the fourth quarter from behind uh, under under Bowen. But they're you know if. I, you know, I've been to the stadium. I've been there when they when uh, Missouri got it rolling, and that's been the pattern um, against Florida. If they get it, if they get it going, Florida has a hard time. And you, you know what it's like. It's not going to be the loudest crowd in the world. It's going to be a cold day, and uh, it's going to be hard for Florida to kind of come back if they do fall behind. So I think the key for them really is just to get up on them and kind of uh, say, "Up oh, here we come again, Missouri's." going to beat Florida again, kind of get in their heads a little bit. How much is the memory of the last two years kind of reign true in this game? Is it a revenge game for Florida? Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but they've kind of taken everything as if it's just the next game. You know, the old cliche, it's the most important game because it's the next game. And it actually may have hurt them a little bit against, against Georgia. They probably should have had more of a rivalry feeling to it, but um you know, I, I think yeah, they don't want. They didn't like that they got embarrassed, but they know why they got embarrassed last year. They they definitely were um, were not into the game, and they and to be honest with you, it wasn't a very well coached game by Florida. I didn't think they did a very good job at all. I went back and watched it this summer, and they just weren't. Uh, it wasn't a very good job of coaching. And the year before, I mean, the coach had gotten fired that Sunday. So and they and they started Malik Zaire, which is mm-hmm. how you lose football games. So. Um, yeah, that I don't think that game has anything to do with it. Uh, but again, different team, as you know. Um, 
you know, Kelly Bryant, I think they know that uh, how dangerous he can be. And I know that uh, Robbie wrote a story earlier this week about Florida saying, look, we expect to get the good Missouri, not the bad Missouri, because Missouri's at home. And you know what the bad Missouri looks like. You're usually <laughs> in a press box somewhere, somewhere not in Columbia, Missouri, when that happens. It's been about a month since I've seen the good Missouri or anybody's seen it. But uh, <laughs> I saw it five times in a row. And uh, I mean, not, yeah, I mean, I've said it in appearances and I'll. I'll, I'm appearing on your podcast later today, and uh, I'll say it again that this is a Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh, if, we, if we if we get Jekyll, uh, we'll see how it goes. But if we get Hyde, good luck. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah. if they let me tell you that that's I'm sure Hope Floor is hoping they see the bad Missouri because if they yeah. do, they'll you know they'll roll over them because mm-hmm. Florida's good enough to do that. But uh, you know, I think one of the big keys is uh, is still is the, the turnovers, which it always is in every game. But I, I, you know, I know Missouri doesn't turn it over very much and doesn't get a ton of turnovers. But it, it, it's an amazing stat here. Florida's got 17 turnovers this year, which is a remarkably high number for a team that's eight and two. You don't see that happen very often. Yeah. In fact, yeah. they're 102nd in the nation to turnovers. And that's just the FBS. Yeah. Yes. That, that that's that is a little nuts. I mean that that we've seen some Vegas type numbers that have come out of this Missouri team over the past couple of weeks that are that mind boggling bad. Like the losses to uh, Vanderbilt and Kentucky combined, Vegas got it wrong by sixty combined points, which you never see. <laughs> well, like I don't that. think I, I will. I would challenge you to find me another school in the history of college football that's lost to Wyoming, Vandy, and Kentucky in the same year. I, I just can't imagine that's ever happened before. Missouri was favored by, in those games by a combined fifty points and lost all three. So <laughs> that's where they're currently at. I mean, that's why. But that's uh, them on the road. I mean, who, yeah. I, on, at home they're they're a different team. Yeah, I mean, Peter, I remember from Peter Burns from ESPN or SEC Network predicted uh, Missouri would be undefeated in November. Uh, and obviously, that is not acquired this way where fans are having a serious conversation about them being 5-5. Five and five, Very serious conversation. But going on, I mean, I got to ask you guys, because your longevity in the SEC, uh, who do you think is the best athlete to come through Florida in your time on the beat? Maybe, And then maybe in the SEC as a whole. Well, the best athlete I think that's ever played here was Percy Harvard. Um, not the best, necessarily the best player. Uh, Tebow obviously is a different level player, but Percy Harvin was the best athlete I've ever seen in college football. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I mean nobody had that physical upper body and could run like a deer and had that first step to uh, to break through. I mean, I, he's still. Uh, it, it, it was a fascinating three years with him here, and of course he was in a perfect offense for because they they ran him. Um, they ran him a lot. They put him at, the, at that tailback position and uh, and let him run, even though he was a wide receiver. It's funny. I remember Troy Aikman was uh, doing a, one of their games when Harvin was playing. And he said, you know, the coaches at Florida told me that he was uh, the best running back they had. You wonder how good Florida could have done if they had played him at running back. And I'm like, well, they won two national championships. I, I don't know you're going to do much better than that in this day and age, but mm-hmm. – um, so he was, but Herschel was. Uh, I, Herschel and Tebow are the two best players I've ever seen. Uh, Herschel just every, Herschel was the most dominant player I've ever seen because every play was about Herschel Walker, whether they faked it to him or gave it to him. It was always about Herschel Walker. Uh, do you have a favorite memory in your time on the beat? Is it one of those national titles, the Orange Bowl with Maryland in the early? I remember that game was a fantastic one back in the early two thousands. Anything like that? Well, um, probably there's, I've got a lot of them. I mean, tons of them. But the the one that 
really stands out is that first national championship because it was Florida State, you know, um, and they had lost to Florida State and there had been a lot of controversy and they'd lost to Florida State two years previously in the Sugar Bowl. And, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy about the late hits and, and it was rightfully so. And we went through a whole week dealing with that with, with Coach Spurrier and then just to destroy FSU in that game, that was a uh, that was pretty uh, – that was one of those things, those nights, you know, in the old days of newspapers, mm-hmm. you would uh, put out a special section. So <laughs> you stayed up all night. You never went to bed, but nobody wanted to go to bed. Yeah, we actually uh, still do a tiny bit of that at the at the Tribune, and I'm sure you guys have some sort of game day section down at the Gainesville Sun as well. But uh, that's mm-hmm. a good memory. So I'll, I'll end I'll end uh, our discussion kind of like this. The spread, I think, is th- as of this morning was 8.5 still in Vegas. Do you think that's fair and – what do you kind of see as a final score prediction? Do you think Florida covers, Missouri covers? Where do you stand? Yeah, I, I actually, I was just looking at the spreads, and I think in some places it's down to seven, which means some money's coming in on Missouri. Um, and and I, I, yeah, I would, I would think Missouri covers, but um, I think the, I would bet that the gamblers, the wise guys, are staying away from this game because, as you said, Missouri's been so schizophrenic, and um, Florida's good enough to win this game easily and just vulnerable and fragile enough to lose this game. So, you know, um, I think this is one they should stay away from, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I think Florida will find a way to, to win this game. I think they know what they've got. They're playing for. They're playing for a ton here. You know, even though everybody says, well, the Georgia game kind of ended the season. It did. I mean, they, they can still get into a New Year's Six Bowl. They can still win more games than they did a year ago. And who knows what happens on the Plains uh, Saturday. And if that happens, then who knows? Does Georgia feel the pressure against A&M? Next thing you know, you win this game uh, Saturday. You, you put your mark on the SEC. You're 6-2. and two. And uh, if those two things happen, and you, you, you're going to Atlanta. So they, I think that that's enough incentive to, that's going to get them through this game. Yeah, I said this in a radio appearance yesterday that two teams that are not Georgia that are still mathematically alive, no matter the chances are Florida and Missouri. So much has to go Missouri's way, including them winning out for them to get it. But Florida, the path and is winning their appeal, cool. right? And winning their <laughs> and winning their appeal. And yeah, because if they lose the appeal, it doesn't matter if they win. That's the true, and that's a whole different argument for a different time, and how we're, it's November 14th we're recording this, and how Missouri's appeal process started March 25th. But that's a whole different argument for a different time. <laughs> but, and uh, a good argument it is. <laughs> uh, yes. And, I mean, I we're, it's coming any day now, but literally, we've been expecting any day since the middle of of September. So, yeah. but uh, I, I guess we'll uh, spend this time, Pat, plug uh, wherever they can find you, listen to your podcast, and get the uh, the opponents' uh, stories this week. Yeah, uh, it's uh, GatorSports.com is where you get the podcast and all of our copy. Uh, there is a paywall. I just got to warn you. But you can, I think you can get the podcast without going through the paywall. And uh, my Twitter is at Pat underscore Dooley. And be tweeting during the games, obviously. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. Anytime, Pat. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you up here on Saturday. Okay. Look forward to it. I'm going to bundle up. for helping us out this week. He'll be here and uh, braving the cold of 41 degrees uh, to see, uh, not Georgia, uh, Missouri and Florida. But let's go on to some other uh, Missouri sports here. You attended the game last Friday against Northern Kentucky for the men. We reported kind of from Columbia uh, for the game against Xavier. Where do you see the men's basketball program at right now at 2-1? and one? You know, 2-1, and one, I, I think it's been a solid start. I mean, you look at the only loss coming in Cincinnati at Xavier. 
uh, game that went to overtime. Um, game in which the Tigers really had some good moments. Um, you know, they're knocking on that door. Uh, I mean, I, I think just even looking at three games, um, there, there are some ways that, that I, I detect that this is a better team already than, uh, than what MU had, at least during stretches last year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think uh, just Friday night, um, Eric was uh, was – I guess in the air, or maybe just had landed in Athens. The game, uh, yeah, I had just landed in Athens. When the game was taking place, I was renting my car. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was at, at Mizzou Arena, and uh, and really the star of that night was Mark Smith. Uh, you know, you have a guy who uh, led the SEC in three point shooting last year before going down with a foot injury and and missing. Uh, really, a, a majority of the second half of the year, lots of conference play, he was out. Um, he didn't score in the opener Wednesday against the Carnet Word. Against the Carnet Word, still still won eighty two forty two, but but he went zero for four. He just he couldn't really he he a couldn't really find his stroke and b wasn't wasn't shooting as much as he normally does. Uh, but then you fast forward two days. He he told me uh, Thursday he actually went to the gym uh, three times. He said just putting up shots, putting up shots, putting up shots. Um, you have a guy who's confident, uh, but he was really just trying to to regain his his form um, in game and. Uh, Friday night, he really reintroduced his stroke to the Mizzou Arena crowd. Uh, he finished with, I think it was 19 that night. Something like that, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he started out strong. He had, he had eight within the first four minutes. Um, so he, he really uh, he really made a statement there. And that, that gets you something to really be excited about. And uh, some strong guard play um, for Mizzou so far. Yeah, and then they followed it up with a overtime loss at Xavier, number twenty-one in the country. Uh, Mizzou held the lead for most of that second half, uh, but just that's where this team comes into a little bit of a crossroads right now. Is uh, you know, it's a tough atmosphere. You can make any excuse in the book, but you know, that's where this team has room to grow. Is uh, if Jeremiah Tillman who picked up two fouls in the frames first three minutes, sat out for seventeen minutes, and then kind of was rotated in and out by Conzo for most of the rest of the game. Um, he, he stays out of foul trouble Mizzou into that game, and that would have been a win that sets him up the rest of the year, resume-wise, in a, in a very, very good spot. But this is the luxury that basketball has that football doesn't, is there are so many games that you get to kind of improve and really diagnose where things are at, and then therefore more chances where things can go wrong um, to kind of just diagnose where things are. And th- this loss hopefully will teach them what they need to do going forward. I mean, you had some lapses in judgment. Drew Smith was the best player from Missouri at Xavier. I think he had a game-high 22. But he, you just need to rely on how deep this bench is. And I think we're starting to see the dividends of what Conzo said early on of, if this team ends up 13th in the SEC, this is going to be one of the greatest leagues of all time. I ranked them 11th on my preseason poll, and I'm starting to think that was kind of low. Maybe I should have gone 9th or 8th, you know? But uh, not a bad... It was a bad loss... But not bad in terms of the way that you think it's going to just demoralize this team. Losing any game is bad, but in terms of what this would have done season long for them, there's not too many opportunities like they would have had against Xavier. I mean, they have a couple more road games coming up, but just winning will help them get out of it. And they have some really 
I hate to say pretty easy test coming up with Wofford, and I forget who comes in next uh, Wednesday, but there's still Chicago. Oh, it's Moorhead State. Uh, but they have Chicago State, and then they uh, early next week, not this coming week, but the week after, they go to Kansas City for Butler. And there, there's there, there's some chances for this team still left on the table, regardless of how you thought they looked against Xavier. I mean, one of the other big takeaways has to be this team is finally playing the Conzo style. I mean, they haven't had a big injury yet, which made them kind of do damage control the rest of the year. But they they've done pretty they've done they're playing that Gene Katie kind of slow it down, disrupt kind of style. That I mean, you saw Virginia play that, and they won a national title with it. So yeah, that's kind of where they stand as of right now. Uh, actually, the women played last night, the women's basketball team, and losing to Northern Iowa at home. Uh, they're one or no when I've seen them live. Zero and two in our uh, friend Chris Bowie has seen them live. Uh, what does that but, tell you? Uh, actually, the two and zero with the, with the uh, exhibition that I saw them live against Fontbonne too. But uh, uh, I think it tells me that uh, Robin Pinchon's team needs to work on their defense. <laughs> That's what it tells me. Uh, I think she would agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and that one win came in overtime too. So mm-hmm. they haven't won in regulation yet this year. Yeah, really, they've been putting themselves in some tough spots. Um, They've been battling. I mean, and that's one thing that Robin did give her players credit for is, you know, there's there's not a lack of fight, but when you're playing from behind and you're, you're not, you know, being able to build that lead that, that maybe uh, you should, um, it's, it's going to lead to some tense moments down the stretch. And um, you, you pinpointed the defense as just kind of an area of growth for them. And I think, uh, like I said, Robin agrees with that, and they're going to be kind of getting back to uh, – to the fundamentals there um communication i mean it's, it's so cliche but amber smith said something just you know about a how a she's either said a silent court or a quiet court isn't isn't a winning court um and that's something that uh you know you got you got to see some a little bit more talking um out of all five on on the court uh but free throw shooting um against northern iowa was also a little bit of a struggle um shot i think what 63 percent um, That's not good. Missed nine free throws in a game that you then lose by five. Um, that, that could have changed the game. Um, one positive, Haley Frank, freshman, came off the bench for 17 points. She actually went nine of ten from the line. Mm-hmm. And take that. I mean, that's great. What that does mean, though, is the rest of the team collectively shot less than 50% from the charity stripe. Um, so you're looking at some points there on the board. 16 turnovers, I'm sure, that they're going to want to at least get half of those back. If, well, why not all of them? Um, so some things to work on. Um, it's only the second time under Robin that the Mizzou women have, have started a season one and two. And the first time was? It was their first season. It was their first season. Yeah, so first time since 2010 that yeah. they're in this hole. But it's kind of expected with a year uh, where after Sophie Cunningham, I think that, you know, it's not a, it isn't a rebuilding year as... Yeah, don't don't said, say that. I yeah. don't want to say that, but a transition year, I think, is a... Yeah, I think that'd be a fair way to, a fair put, way it to put it in. And, and especially early yeah. on, I, th- I think we, uh, we, we... We've got to allow these new pieces of the puzzle... Um, some room to grow and, and that's not to, that's not to limit what the expectations should be or, or what they are um you know but especially with uh you know you have a breakout game from somebody like Haley frank um you, you have another star freshman in, in asia blackwell and, and those two really i mean you're looking at future uh but not even future like at this point on going forward th- those are some main um attractions yeah. attractions that that, that, that there's some main um places you're, you're going to turn for for scoring and um but just to give them a little bit of time to grow i, I don't i don't think it's uh 
it's really fair to them to expect that they're going to come in, you know, right from the get go. Uh, but it, w- one thing that's going to be important is the senior leadership, just like in that first game, which was the only win so far, you know, the seniors being able to guide those newcomers, those new faces, um, and really kind of integrate everything together. I think that'll be interesting to see as this season unfolds. Anything else, Kevin? Before we kind of head out of here, we can quickly touch on the volleyball teams and on the way to the NCAA tournament like they always are. Uh, wrestling just started their season, and there's a couple other things going on, but uh, that kind of wraps it up for this week. We'll be at the uh, game for, obviously, we'll be at Florida versus Missouri, three of us there. Uh, but anything else you want to talk about before we yeah, uh, I mean, we got here? We got Tiger Extra coming yep. out uh, on Saturday, the game day wrap for Mizzou versus Florida. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a feature by Eric on on the offense, just kind of seeing what it's going to take to get to get that unit back on track. Um you know, uh, Odom said uh, after the game last week, and you know he's not—he's not—he can't be up here seven days later, which would be, of course, now this Saturday. You know, saying the same thing about you know not being able to score, not being able to move the ball. How how are the Tigers going to make sure he doesn't have to get back up there again and then say that? Uh, so that'll be that'll be coming up as the centerpiece and on, on game day, and as always, we'll have uh, wow, we'll have on the beat, which is the interview that we just had on this podcast. Uh, we will have staff picks. We'll have five questions facing the Tigers, key matchups, all of that and more on the Saturday print edition and also uh, Friday online here at some point. All right, if you're still listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And uh, Kevin, give us the outro. For the Mizzou Sports Podcast, until next